uh, this morning to you and, and Adam. Uh, this morning we come to you and we, uh, we thank you for your love. We thank you for, for the, again, as we, we say every week, the foundation that you give us to stand on. The world's running to and fro, searching for truth, but we have it. We have it right in front of us, uh, given by you. And we thank you for that light. Um, we ask that you uh, help it to illuminate our hearts, to understand and see uh, your character more and more as we as we work through the scriptures. So uh, this morning we ask that uh, you be with us. You open our our minds, our hearts to make that transformation into life. Uh, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay. How are we going to do this this morning, guys? Well, you're going to answer all the questions. <laughs> You were just yeah. going to listen. <laughs> um, okay, so last week we talked about Romans 9 through 11, whether or not you know if you're elected or chosen. Did we, did we, uh, do you guys feel like we answered that question adequately enough? Yeah, I do. Okay. Ron, you good with it? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> and then we talked about uh, the clarity on 918 on, on, uh, Pharaoh's heart being hardened versus Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh hardening his heart. Do you guys feel good about that one as well? Okay. So the next one is <clears throat> the tension. The, the question is posed as the tension between salvation completely up to God and salvation, uh, uh, man's part in that salvation. So what say you guys? How do you how do you guys see that playing out? I don't see what the tension is. Either accept him or you don't accept. If you don't accept him, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. well, I think I think we're on the tension is that um, we we see scripture making this statement: "Choose you this day, um, make choice. You know, make make a choice." Uh, um, presenting the idea that. We are to um, we are to turn to God, repent, and be baptized, right? But then, but then the other side of it paints the picture that God does all of the saving, and God actually changes uh, changes the the heart of man in order to make that decision. And so, I think I think that's the tension we have a, a, a the idea of a free will on man's side versus God's will on the other. And so, the tension is how do, how do we how do we um, mechanize those two things? I think it's free will all the time. You do? Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything other than that. I mean, he, he, God knew that he was going to, some people say that God tempted the people by putting Satan in the garden. He was just giving them a, a true contrast of free will at that time is what he was doing i don't think that he because he always provides a way out okay and if they truly believed what god told them that they wouldn't be seeking more it's just people's selfishness and disbelief is why we end up where we end up. Okay. The whole thing comes down to obedience. It does come down to obedience. It also comes down to how we define free will, right? I think it is what it is. I think it is exactly what God said it would is. And we want to make it, you know, we want to make uh, black and white. We want to make it gray and we do. Mm. I think God is very black and white. You do this, you do that, you do this. And if you do this, you, this will happen. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. Okay. In terms of salvation, do let me ask you this. Do you think, and John, jump in at any point. I'd love to hear your, your viewpoint on this as well. Do you think that uh, before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that man had free will? Yeah. What about after the tree? 
They still do. So then what do we do with the idea that scripture, scripture, and it makes it abundantly clear that we're blinded by our sin. The question is, what are we blinded to? God's perfectness. Okay. We, we, uh, if, if we didn't have free will, we would just be programmed robots. Okay. How do you, if we're blinded to God's goodness, sin, sin, yeah, sin blinds us to God's goodness. It blinds us to God. It separates, re- us. It separates us from God is what it does. Rewind to, rewind to Romans 1. Do you remember what it said in Romans 1 about how um, the world refuses to even acknowledge God? And because of that, he gives them up to a reprobate mind. Do, do you remember? Do you remember reading that? I'm sure I do. Yeah. I think God, it, what? I think people all over the world acknowledge God um, in some manner. You, know, you see people worshiping God. You know, Muslims, uh, Jews. Uh, there's a keen sense of uh, a knowledge that there is a God, and I think the for the most part, people who don't believe in God have over a course of time hardened their hearts against that idea and really had to work at it. Um, one of the things that you brought up was um, the idea that um, man has to be quickened uh, to even receive God. And that's a covenant theology position um, that man is, is basically annihilated. The, the, the ability to see God is was annihilated with the, the sin in the garden. Um, and I, you know, I personally don't believe that. I think man is in his natural state alive to sin uh, and not blinded. And I think that scripture is pretty clear that he gives a, um, a representation of himself. Again, we've talked about in, the, in all of creation and uh, people have that to look at and um, uh, you know, people throughout the ages in, in you know, uh, Central America, throughout the world have worshiped the sun, moon, and the stars. They know that that is a testimony to a God of some sort. They just have chosen, you know, blindly the wrong gods. But um, so as far as free will, I don't think it um, ceased after the, the, um, the, um, the fall. Um, I think God honors that throughout. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, um, I, John, I agree. I think God definitely honors our free will throughout. He allows us to do what we want to do. Um, as far as, but I, I, I do believe that our free will is limited in that because of our sin, because of the darkness of our hearts, as Roman says, we refuse to acknowledge God. I also agree that that humanity in general seeks after a God or to worship a God. They just don't seek after the creator God. I think they seek after whatever suits their purpose. Um, they're not looking for the God of the Bible. Uh, I think, again, Romans 1 makes that very, very clear. I think, obviously, Romans 1 was written for the Romans, but it's very applicable to the world. It's, it's a world condition not just a Roman condition. And so I would say that um, I do agree that we have a free will. It hasn't been annihilated by any stretch, but I think that because of our sin, I see that that free will was limited to our own desires rather than the desires of God. And I think, I think we see, you know, most of the time we see it in in John or even in Romans, we see it pretty regularly where Paul or, or John will make the claim that, um, without God drawing, we, we can't even come to him. That, that sin is blinded. I think um, when, I look at, uh, when I look at the story of Lazarus in the tomb, I think that's a, um, to me, it's a pretty clear picture of salvation that we are truly dead and we stink and God quickens us in order to, and, and, and so the, 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 the problem is people would say, 
as Ron said, then we're robots. You know, God, God is, um, God is, God is, uh, we're robots. We just do what God wills. But if, if, if God allows us a free will, but changes our desires toward him, it's still our choice. We're still making that choice. So I don't see it necessarily as, as, um, we're either robots or we have free will. I think there's a, I think there's a middle ground where God quickens us in, in order to see our, our brokenness and our need for him. Um, I, I think that makes it a little more simple, Sean. I think that, I think, well, maybe not, you're not thinking of something, maybe I'm thinking of it simple, that bottom line is you either, you either accept Christ in all or you don't accept Christ in all. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't go and say, well, gee, I like this scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7, where I cast all my cares on him, where he cares for me. And then, but I don't like the uh, Romans 6, 23, where the wages of sin is death. Um, or that, do you, do you really believe that people, when they're deep in their sin, that they really believe that they're sinning? I don't think they do because I think they just see them as having a good time. They don't see that they have eternal consequences for their actions. And therefore they're basically saying, I don't need a savior. I don't need some big man in the sky saving me. And mm -hmm. so it's their own ego and their own, um, uh, selfishness that prevents them from fully accepting Christ saying that you know you're no longer on your own you know you 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 have to acknowledge God and you know and you talk to these people you know the Stephen Hawking of the world and these ones here that go out of their way to prove in their own minds that there is no God. Ron, I would say that those people are the exception. Like John said, I think the world, I think God has put in our hearts, um, uh, even before birth, that there's a hole that only God can fill. And I think we seek to fill that oftentimes with things that aren't God. And so I think the Stephen Hawking's, the, the, um, uh, what's the name? The British fella who's, 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 militant anti-christian i think those guys are the are the are the, the the rarity i think the rest of the world seeks to seeks a god of some sort exactly like john said and and unfortunately it's just not the god of the bible in most cases i yeah i i i, I tend to agree with that it's like a child that is separated from his parent and the genetics i mean we are we have we have christ gene we have we, we have the blood of Christ within us. And I, I can see this in my own sister who was adopted at six weeks old. The genetics of her mother, her birth mother, are so strong. And that the drawing to her natural mother is great. And I think that is a, a physical way for us to see really the, the drawing, I think we all have a drawing to Christ. Um, our society is based upon truth. I mean, our, our laws are based upon the, the Ten Commandments, which is the catalyst of the laws of this country. And we just build upon them and build upon them in other areas. And we, we corrupt them like, do not kill. Well, now we have you know, there was nothing in the Bible that said manslaughter. You know, it was just plain do not kill. And we've, we've given it exceptions. We've saying, well, God, your, your laws are not good enough. We have to make our own and add to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say um, one statement that I, I, I tend to agree with that I think puts both sides uh, regarding free will and, 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 
and God's working in people uh, is, is that I think scripture clearly tells us, hey, choose, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. So man has a choice. There's no question about that. We see that clearly. But it also says that no man can come to God unless God draws him. And so the question is, you know, what we're really, the tension is how they mechanize, how they come together. And I would say that um, for the sake of argument, we, we, we don't, God, God doesn't make that clear. We, we don't have that, uh, we don't have that information. And so if you guys are okay with it, I'd love to leave that there. John, you good with that? Can I say something? Before yep. we go? Okay. To me, it's like, because we are made in God's image, we're, like John said, we're naturally drawn to God. But because of, I mean, just like we're drawn to our parents, we want to be like our parents when we grow up. We want to please our parents. But as we get older, you know, we, we are surrounded by all this freedom, like in free will. And so we start, the tension starts when we start seeing all this, having all this freedom and then having all these um, signs and symbols of idolatry. So do we do things for ourselves? I mean, that's the tension. Do we uh, please ourselves first before God? Do we, in essence, like saying, do I please myself before I please my parents because at this point now, it's like I have the freedom to choose for myself. I'm not under my parents' roof anymore. So it's, I think salvation in a way is kind of like that. It's like we have the freedom to choose whether we want to accept salvation or not. And But really, in reality, it's totally up to God. It's God's grace that, you know, we become saved or not. Yeah, I would agree. And the only thing I would push back on, Anne, is, is the idea that as we age, we start seeing the, the, the freedoms that we have. Yeah. I think we see the natural man right from birth. We see, you know, we don't have to teach our children to do bad, right? To, to, right. to disobey us, to be, to, to even break the 10 commandments, if you will, even though they don't understand them perhaps. But the selfishness that we see in children, that's a natural thing. That's not something that has to be taught. In fact, we have to be taught. We have to teach our children to do good and to be selfless rather than selfish. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say that, again, my only pushback is that I think it's from the womb. I don't think it's, it's later in life. I think it gets more complicated later in life. Um, but I, I, I think it really starts uh, right after the womb. John, what say you? Well, I just, you know, it's very complicated. I think it's, it's, it's many things in the Bible. It's either, um, either or, it's both. I think God draws. Um, one of the things I would say about people in sin is that, you know, daily, almost daily, we, we see people who are, uh, if we're watching, who are crying out. They're so, they realize that they're broken, they're sinful. Um, and they're looking for answers, um, but their inclination is um, to try to find it in something else in God. Yep. And I, I know of testimonies where people have gotten to that place and they just cried out to God, reveal yourself to me. And he did. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the drawing is, it is, is not just the Lord saying, you know, come to me. It is the Lord maybe allowing you to wallow in your sin till you get to a place where you say, uh, I, I need a savior. I need something else. And so it's just not necessarily, you know, God top, tapping on your forehead said, come to me. It is many different ways that he draws people and to, to an end in themselves and they cry out. And then he, he, he you know, um, and, and so and Jesus, we see Jesus meeting people before um, their actual need. You know, um, uh, he, he, he healed people without them, you know, um, uh, confessing their sins. Um, and so he, he's gracious in many different ways. So it's a very difficult subject, but I, I just think it's, having studied this, it is... Um, Again, uh, not either or or both. It's it's uh, it's both depending on the, the circumstance, 
But I do know that God, well, I should say, you know, I, I am pretty convinced that God never violates man's will. Uh, yeah. That's, I think that's a, a steady, um, uh, steady throughout, throughout the scripture. Um, you know, he did that with Israel. You know, he, uh, he said to them, you know, throughout your sin, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with you. And he let them have their own will. Um, and so, and it's such, you can find hints of that in the New Testament also, you know, saying Second Peter 2.20, um, there are hints of that there. Uh, and so, yeah. John, I like that. I like what you said, that, that the drawing isn't necessarily a tapping on the forehead and saying, come to me. I think sometimes it is. Um, yeah. But I, I think, I think that's a hundred percent true. The drawing could be multifaceted and it's, it's, it's probably different for different people. Yeah. Um, but the only, the only thing I would push back on about um, that you said that God doesn't, God doesn't violate our will is um, what do we do with Jonah? Because if God, clear, well, uh, the story of Jonah, um, you know, God, God manipulated the circumstance to change Jonah's will. Um we see him wanting to go one way. God says, no, you're going, you're going to go another. Uh, he says, I don't want to preach in Nineveh. And God says, no, you're going to preach in Nineveh. And at the end, it's really interesting because at, at the end, we see Jonah still angry, but God blessing him. So it's, it's an interesting, yeah, I, I mean. I think there's a presumption that, that part of that story that we, we don't know, we, we don't know that. In, that in some aspect, Jonah relented and said, I will go out, although grudgingly, I, I think we don't have right. the whole picture there. And so, uh, you know, I, you see throughout uh, scripture, uh, you, you look at how God, let me back up and put it this way. There is no, there is no definitive way to uh, prove that God uh does or does not overcome man's sovereign will. You know, we see a sovereign will being violated in Genesis. In Jude, we have a good picture of uh, one chapter one, where the angels left their first estate. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a willful decision. And um, uh, he did, he, if he didn't stop the angels from doing that, uh, and allow them to exercise their, their own free will, uh, you know, things would be totally different. Um, and so the, the issue is the exercise of our free will has eternal uh, consequences. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, to resist the drawing of the Holy Spirit or the, as we said, the painful... Uh, experience of sin saying I'm, I'm at an end of myself what do I do uh, I, I need to find a God um, is very very complex but I, I, I really don't see um, you know it, it, it talks in scripture that, you know that, that we, I think it said in, in uh, second Peter how can they turn again once they turn against against God to be renewed let me see if I get out of here I started looking at this. For after they have escaped the defilement of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it turned back from the holy command to, the, uh, to deliver them. And so there's, you know, there's a complex play in there of, you know, the question of, whether you can lose your salvation and and it's not that you you lose your salvation by sin because god has forgiven our sins for the at the time of the cross east is west the question is can we willfully say i choose against i i have believed in christ but i'm enticed into the world and i want to go back to that and I, and I reject God. 
And I think that that is a possibility given the fact that um, God won't violate your free will. In, in, in essence, again, there's no, there's, no, there's no way to, you know, say there's a verse that proves one way or the other. It's all by inference. Um, and yeah. I, I do think, I think that people who have tasted of the good things of Christ and have been enlightened and have been drawn to him and experienced those good things, even even becoming born again, can say, I reject this gift and lose her salvation. That's a possibility. I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm just one of those, you know, open-handed things that, um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm landing on that. You know, again, the other question is, what is grieving the Holy Spirit that you cannot, you cannot become again? And grieving is, is in essence, a blasphemy, but blasphemy takes many different forms. And it, blasphemy is, is also a rejection. So if there is a, if there is a sin unto um, that is, that can't be repented of, uh, I would think that a willful decision, once you were saved, to walk away from that, uh, you cannot crucify Christ again. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, John, I, I agree that there, there, there's verses on both sides, and, and really what they do is infer. And so looking at the totality of Scripture, we know, just as you said, that, that it's kind of an open-fisted issue uh, as far as how free will works or if we can walk away, et cetera. So I don't think scripture is 100% clear on it. And so um, I've always kind of, for the sake of argument, left it with the, the again, the idea that uh, scripture tells us to choose. Man has a choice. Otherwise, God wouldn't tell us that. There's no question. Uh, but it also says that God, no man could come to him unless they draw. And so, again, how those two mechanize, I think you said it well. It could be a tap on the forehead. It could be uh, multifaceted. So, so um, yeah. How they mechanize, I don't think God's made it clear to us. And so I, I, I'm good leaving it there if you guys are. I think for every answer, there needs to be a calling. You know, we, the, a person it has to be seeking in order to be called. Okay. And I, and um, I, and I think, it, again, it comes down to, period, you either obey or you disobey. It's really... It's, it's really, I think it's, it's, we want to make it so complicated. We want to make it say, you know, make it as palatable as possible. Well, it doesn't have to be palatable. It wasn't a, an easy, it wasn't an easy decision for God to send his son. It wasn't an easy decision for his son to agree to go on to the cross. Those are not easy decisions. Um, it's not easy. I, I cannot imagine being easy to see, um, for God to see hundreds and thousands of Christians being um, uh, crucified and um, uh, persecuted. I, I, don't, I don't think that's easy. Yeah, is it, is, it, is it his plan that that happens? I don't think it's his plan, but I think what happens is that it goes in that Romans 8.28 that all things will work together. Um, you know, God, he, he, he chose to let Satan be the ruler of this world at this time. Mm -hmm. with let that, me push back on two quick things. Um, you made the statement that um, unless you're seeking, I don't think you can be called. And I would just say, look at the stories of God calling people who were not seeking him necessarily. Again, Jonah, Abram, um, Abram didn't seek God. God went to Abram. So I would say that God can call without us necessarily seeking him. In fact, I would, I would say that that's the majority of the examples we see is that God calls and the people respond, not the other way around. Understood. But they're just not going, they have to have something in their heart in order to receive a call. It's not just. I agree with that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why yeah. my point was saying is that we we have to have something within our heart, either the heart uh, of obedience, of wanting, yearning. Um, if you have, 
in a, in, a, in a world of world, you have $10 million sitting in your bank account. You're not going to go look on a treasure hunt to find $100. Yeah. You know? yeah. Your need, well, your, your desire is going to have to fit the need that you have in your life, I believe. I think, yeah, Ron, I think that's true. I think a lot of times, most times that people, um, when people turn to God, it's out of need. Right. It's out of recognition that they're completely broken. Either fulfilled or gone. They just go right back to their wicked ways. I've seen it over and over and over yeah. again. That's true. That's true. You, know, you get these, these presidents of these companies who are saying, well, we're going to all pray for this. So let's all pray. And as soon as it's done, they go back to their complete wicked ways. Yeah. They work. And so I think it's a mockery is what it is. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, let's move on to the next one, if you guys are okay with it. I don't know who posed this question, but it says, if you're not saved, you're not a player until God touches you. I'm not sure what, really what they mean by that, whoever posed that question. Um, if they mean not a player in that you don't influence the way things come out or God doesn't use circumstances to, to work things out for the good of, of, of his believers and, and the glory of himself. I would say that's probably not true. We see that in the story of Joseph. Um, God used those, those bad circumstances to bring about good. And so each one of the people in that story is a player, but not all of them are saved. And so I'm not sure quite how to answer that. If, if that's exactly what the person was asking, do you, do you guys remember who asked that? Yeah. Hmm. I do know that Connie's a player. <laughs> well, not, not all that are called are called and not all are called will, will take the, will listen. You know, we, we can get our own. I, I believe we can hear our own call. We can get it wrapped up in our own, self i i think we do that a lot yeah so i think that we be, need to be very careful in what we what we call a call i think uh john the the beginning of this we pretty much talked through most of these questions um probably not intentionally but some of the next questions uh can a person choose to go against God and willfully walk away and be condemned. Uh, whosoever may come, can come. How about Pharaoh? Um, I think we've kind of touched on those questions already. Uh, how about this one? Anne posed a question, is a reprobate mind synonymous to a hardened heart or is a hardened heart the result of a reprobate mind? Why don't you define a reprobate mind? Okay. Um, I think Romans 1 defines a reprobate mind as somebody who literally um, has gone so far away from their design uh, in, in the image and likeness of God that they are literally self-destructing and, and, and destruction is in their path. It is somebody who, um, who does not acknowledge God in any way, shape, or form and does their own will completely. Uh, and, and, and that will is not aligned with, with the image and likeness of God in that peace, love, joy, long-suffering, all of those things. And so it, it creates death. That person creates death. So it's in man's eyes, they are a reprobate man but the heart might be, I mean, we would probably look at Charles Manson as a reprobate mind. Yeah. But we do not know in his quietness what his thoughts and what his thinkings were. And I guess that's why it's really, God knows the heart. We only know them. We only know what we see. Yeah, that's true. But I think it's, I think we can see 
the fruits of someone's mind, the fruits of someone's thoughts and the fruits of someone's will. And so the question is, is a hardened heart synonymous with a reprobate mind? No. It's not. Okay. How would you say it's different? Again, what I was saying, we don't know the true heart. Um, I think that only in the quietness of that person, when they are with have themselves and God, they are alone. Is when you are your true person. Um, okay, John, what do you what do you what do you say to the the idea that a reprobate mind, um, a reprobate mind and a hardened heart are synonymous? Um, well, I, I think there, it's a left hand, right hand thing. Um, yeah. I've got a, de, a de, Greek, uh, in Romans one, uh, 28 says, uh, debased mind says failing to pass the test, unapproved counterfeit. Um, and I think it's, uh, like I said, the other two sides of the same coin and I'm just talking out loud here. Um, what I do know is that um, there is, I should say no, I, I think um, that there is no debt of reprobation that cannot be redeemed. Um, and And so I think we need to be kind of mindful or, or consider that. The reason I say that I, I read uh, a story of a homosexual man who was in the grips of that and in the deepest depths of reprobation that he says, you, you couldn't get any deeper into every facet of being a reprobate that I was. And mm-hmm. God still called him and, and loved him and so um, this in Romans 1, um, you know, each one of these, for, for the most part, look at it, all of us have done. And if you consider a, um, we do what we shouldn't be doing, we're filled with all manner of unrighteousness, I've been there, evil, I've been there, covetousness, I've been there, malice, I've been there. Full of envy and murder, I've murdered in my heart. Obviously, all those have strife, deceit, maliciousness, slanderers. Um, you know, all of those things I have been to some um, to some level. Uh, I don't know that I've ever gone to a debased mind, and so it, I don't think. I think there's a degrees you, you slide into sin. And it becomes so, so you become so captive to it that um, uh, it's almost like you have no strength to reach out to God. And I think that we, when you're talking about Sean, somebody, a God tap, tapping them on the forehead kind of thing, in my mind, it, it, many of the times that God taps people on the, on the head in a deep reprobate state and said, this is your last, last chance. Yeah. And, and, and they, and I think people recognize that. And, and this man did, um, but because he was so overwhelmed with his own sin, he, he had reached the depth of, of a sinful life. So I don't know if I add anything to that discussion or not, but I just, um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I helped any, any Ann at all. No, I, I think that was good, John. Cross? I like, I like you. I'm sorry, Ron, go ahead. What about the thief on the cross? You know, I mean, he, he was full of sin. He was full of this and that. And yet at his last moment, his heart changed. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's all in the, it's in the heart. Yeah, I think um, I think 
John, what, what you had said about degrees, I think we see that played out in Romans, right? As, as um, it, 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 it seems to be that in the beginning, the, the mind changes the heart. But then toward the end of Romans, when it talks about, you know, that, that list of haughtiness, boastfulness, adventures of evil, it seems to be the heart changing the mind. So it seems to, you know, my initial conversation with Anne is that I think a hardened heart results in a reprobate mind. And I still think that's true, but we see at the beginning of Romans that the mind who refuses to acknowledge God um, begins the path of, of the end degree of reprobateness, if you will, if that's even a word. Um, does that make sense, John? Well, it is, it's in the, it has to be in the dictionary now that you said it. So, reprobateness. Yeah. yeah. Um, reprobateness. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great word. What was I going to comment on that? Um, it is, yeah. It's gone. So. No, it's, it's, it's coming back. It's interesting that we're all born with what we would call a, a conscience. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you steal a cookie when you're a little kid, you know you've gone against your mom's law. And so there's a measure of guilt. But I think what part of the, uh, the spiral of sin is that the law that's kind of written in our heart that you should not murder, you know, steal, these kinds of things is seared uh, to where there is zero conscience, uh, even outside the Bible, never hearing. When you go to some country that they don't have the word of God, that is still written in their heart. And you sear your, your, your mind and heart so much that you descend into a, a reprobate state uh, and you give your mind gives yourself over to these things. Um, and so, you know, being multidimensional as human beings, it's, it, it's a, I think it's a combination of things that drive us into a, a deep state of hardening of the heart. And, um, you know, I kind of suspect that Hardening the heart has to happen before you can descend, but I think they're tied very closely together. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, in uh, the 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 section that talks about the spiral of, of man or the, the dissension and descend, we see at the very beginning of that, it says, um, and for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so we see their thinking results in a hardened heart. But then later we see, um, as soon as I find it, I had it in my sight here in just a second. Oh, and then it says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what not ought to be done. So I think, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's um, one kind of plays off the other. It's the right hand and the left hand and which one comes first. Not sure, but we, we know that uh, we know that, uh, that, that, that it, it ends in uh, a reprobate mind that, um, that, that goes against all things, uh, all godly things. Right. All I can say is I'm thankful that God has more love and patience for me about a hardened heart than I have toward other people. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what, Ron, that's what amazes me is when we see Jesus walking the earth and talking and, and interacting with people, the amount of patience and love he has for people. And we know that he's the perfect representation of God, right? This is God on earth. We get to see God in action. And it's, it's amazing to me to, to watch the interaction between people and how much patience and love he had, even for people who didn't, um, uh, didn't desire to, to follow him. Um, it, it talks about, I think it was the rich young ruler, I think it says, and he looked at him and loved him. Um, and that, that's always, so when you bring that up, it's, 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 uh, it reminds me of, of Jesus walking the earth and interacting with people and how amazing that really is. I find a, a mother's long suffering and her love for her child is much greater than 
I mean, I would have written people off long before, but a mother just always finds the good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's a fine example of what God really is. And I think that, so I think that we don't know the degree of God's or the degree of our hard-heartedness. And I don't, you know, I think once we get to the point of our hard-heartedness toward God, we know and there is no point of return at that point. Mm. I don't know. I think, I think John, when John said there's no depth of depravity that God can't reach, I think that's true. Um, I, I think, you know, scripture makes it clear that there is a sin that is, that is, um, that is, is that you can't repent from. Um, and we won't get into that, but I think John's right when he says that, that there's no depth of depravity that God cannot reach. And so I would push back on that a little bit, Ron. I, I agree. I agree that there, there is, but it's, it's also, it's the choice of somebody turning away from that to accept that, hmm. you know, and sometimes people are so far gone in their own mind, there is no return. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll never make that choice. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm thinking, um, because of man's sinful nature, the heart naturally desires to do sinful things. But once we receive God's grace and, and accept God, I mean, accept, you know, Jesus' gift of salvation, the heart changes and is now naturally drawn to do what is right, to do what is good. And so... I think that's the difference there. Like John was saying, it's it's left or right. It's like, which direction are you going to follow with your heart, good or bad? Yeah, I, I want to pose two questions for next week, actually. <clears throat> the question of what does it mean to be a slave to sin? What does it mean to be a slave to righteousness? And also... Um, the other question I wanted to pose is, um, uh, oh, John, you and I are, uh, you and I are falling into the same category. Give me just one second. <laughs> I had, I had another question that I wanted to pose. Um, well, while you're thinking of it, I want to, I want to, if I can offer a comment, uh, not only, you know, from personal experience too, is one of the things that all of us are doing, we, uh, we obviously love each other and uh, that's a good thing. And a lot of this discussion we have to today and uh, always have had is this is what I think. And um, we, we need to recognize that, you know, this is what I think I'm not, unless you've got some things you're really closed hand on, but I've been in a place where I have in the past been so uh, self-righteous that I have held on to something so tightly it becomes an antagonistic and um, I just want to say uh, I appreciate this group and that we can have these conversations and still say you know uh, this is what I think but it, it is nobody is so upset that we can't you know, still love each other I think that's a, a wonderful thing um, yeah yeah John, even in the tension, <clears throat> I, I agree with you. There's there's things that you and I have talked about, or me and Dave, where we're just not going to agree, and it's okay. It's okay. It's they're open-fisted things. The key is, can we give each other grace to say, "Hey, I can see why you would make that statement, or I can see why you see it that way. I just see it differently," um, and 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 do that with open-fisted issues, but we we align arm in arm with closed fisted issues. Um, and I, I think that's, I think that's really the important thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the ability to say, this is what I think, but yeah. I'm open to being wrong. You know, it's kind of like the discussion, you know, of what we just been beating up, you know, does God choose us or, or does we, we choose God? You know, it's very clear in scripture that Jesus said to the disciples, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and produce fruit. There is a blanket statement there that Jesus chose those people. He chose Jonah. Um, 
And then, you know, the idea, well, he can, uh, these disciples could have said, no, I'm not going to come. Uh, and so the, the, the thing is, we're, we're agreeing that this is what we think, but we don't, we don't understand the whole thing. And we're good. We're going to love each other in the midst of this, you know, and respect each other. Yeah, no, I, that's good, John. I agree. Um, you know, I just realized the other question I wanted to pose. So one is, um, what does it mean to be a slave to sin? What does it mean to be a slave to righteousness? And also the question that I get constantly, and I'm, I'm, I'm surprised nobody brought it up in, in the group. How do I know that I'm saved? That's one of the biggest questions I, I hear from, from believers is how do I know that I'm saved? And so I, I, I implore you guys to do a little bit of homework. I'd love to hear what you guys come back with next week um, on, on those three things. I think uh, the two, um, the, the slave to sin and slave to righteousness are going to be very complimentary and pretty easy to, 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 if you know, if you can answer one, you can answer the other. Um, but I'm really interested to hear what you guys come back with. Are you okay with that? Maybe answer those questions next week. And then we have maybe one more to tackle or two more to tackle for next week as well. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cool. All right. I got to go get my teeth worked on. Yay. All, all two of them. <laughs> That's how you know I'm from Chowchilla. <laughs> it's called a, if it was, if the toothbrush was made anywhere else, it'd be called a teeth brush. <laughs> uh, John, would you pray for us? Absolutely. Thank you, Father, for this time of being in your word, Lord. It's, it's complicated. It's simple. Um, and Lord, what we do eternally agree on is that you are Lord and God and your ways are not our ways and that your, um, your mind cannot be comprehended uh, and that we will uh, in eternity together, this group that's here today will, will begin to say, aha, now we understand and we're thankful for that. And until then we live by faith in, in the blood of Jesus Christ and we claim him and uh, we're thankful for the Holy Spirit that, that teaches us and, and enlightens our hearts and minds. And Lord, forgive us when we um, um, stand on ground that we, you know, sperm it when we, when we should because of our opinions and our, and our thoughts, but mold us uh, into the very image of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. <clears throat> okay, guys, we'll see you all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.